the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process and creative people. This is episode 131, and our guest is Lauren Morrow. Lauren is a singer and songwriter from Atlanta, Georgia, who now makes her home in Nashville, Tennessee. She made a name for herself as the front woman for the Whiskey Gentry, a beloved Georgia band that formed in 2009. The band released three full-length studio records and a live album between 2011 and in 2017 and now we're being treated to lauren's excellent solo debut called people talk the record comes out on friday march 31st on big kitty records this was a special conversation y'all and i am so excited to bring it to you everyone my conversation with lauren Um, so that's annoying. I know. Um, so does the mic sound okay? Do I need to like come closer to something or? No, you sound fine. Uh, we've recorded many an episode on people's Mac microphones, and it sounds fine, and no one cares. Okay. It's you and I right now, just being a little bit, you know, particular. Erotic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people listening are going to be like be professional. I, I know, I understand, um, but you are not a professional podcaster. You're a professional songwriter with a wonderful new record coming out. So let's talk about that and not worry about how it sounds, okay? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I'm so excited for this, Lauren. I, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, I've wanted to have you on for a while. I actually told you this to your face at Will's Pub a few years ago. Um, I first, I think... I've been trying to chase down this show. I can't find it on the internet anywhere. I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly or not, but I swear my introduction to your music was the Whiskey Gentry playing uh, at Burrow Bar in Jacksonville circa like 2012. It was this tiny little club in downtown Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. I think you were on like a co-headlining bill with Have Gun Will Travel. Or maybe they yeah. open for you. I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, I may that, be making this up. Does that sound right? That definitely sounds right. Um, the Burrow Bar, gosh, all those days with Have Gun Will Travel were such a blur. Um, they were so fun, but maybe like too much fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Jacksonville, I can't remember Burrow Bar, um, but it would have definitely been with Have Gun Will Travel because we did so much touring with them with whiskey gentry and always did florida mm -hmm. with them so we definitely did a memorable show in green uh sorry gainesville um at a at a small pub there um but yeah i mean it would have been years ago over yeah. a decade ago now yeah like, this is like 2012 i'm pretty sure and i'm almost positive it was it was at burrow bar which also had changed names a few times so maybe it was still the london bridge at that time or something i don't know but um yeah. but I, that memory that i that i have um and i you know matt burke's been on the show twice everybody listening knows i'm a huge have gun fan um yeah. i'm i love them but like yeah. I was captivated by you. You specifically, Aww. your band was awesome. 
the band was great, but you, and, and I've gotten to see you since then, um, solo with a band, but, um, at you, you played there. I want to say it was their speaking of have gun, their record release show when strange chemistry came out. Um, it was a show yeah. at Will's. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I got to meet you briefly and you were such a delight to, to get to talk to. Um, and so I say all that to say, I'm really excited to talk to you because I've, I've been a fan for a while and I'm really fired up to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, I'm very excited to be here. I was looking through your podcast, um, people who've been on the podcast in the past and, a lot of them are, you know, people I've become friends with here living in, um, in Nashville, but then also, you know, Florida connections too. So, and of course, like love Matt Burke to death, um, yeah. from have Gumball travel. I just, those guys are like, you know, like brothers to us, you know, we shared a really special time in our lives together, you know, mm -hmm. and it was, it's, it's, I just feel so close to them. I love them. Well, you know, so. that that time in my life was special too. And not that I was, I wasn't doing this yet. I wasn't even really writing about music much a little bit, um, but it really wasn't that world. But that time that I'm talking about, you know, that you guys were playing together so much was really special to me too. So I'm curious for you, like, what was it about that time? Cause I also think there was something special in the air about the kinds of kind of umbrella Americana umbrella music that you make um, although yeah. we'll get into that with this new record because there's so many other wonderful things on it too. But um, what was it about that time that was special? Um, well, so like personally, I think, you know, I had, we had just gotten Whiskey Gentry kind of off the ground. Jason and I had just gotten married um, and we were, you know, touring, which is all we like at the time had thought we wanted to do, you know, like let's get in the van and like, it was just like such a sweet like camaraderie between all of us and whiskey gentry and so exciting and everything even though it was like looking back on it jason and i will laugh because we'll be like oh my god like we had like no money we <laughs> had you know we're like but we were doing that thing you know that i feel like when you start a band when you're young it's like that thing that you want to do and it's like you want to drive up and be like you know in new york and like you know, partying, but also maybe not knowing you're, you're sleeping. And like, I don't know, just, it was just such a fun time. We just really felt like we were moving towards like our dreams in some way. And then music wise, it was interesting for us too. And I don't like mean for this to sound the way that it might come out, but like, I agree with you in the, you know, at that time period, it was like the Avid brothers were just kind of getting started and like Mumford and Sons and Have Gun Will Travel was doing their, th we, and, and we were doing our thing. And like, there was all this kind of like, um, maybe like old time or bluegrass, um, influence with different instrumentation. But then you had this kind of like punk rock background to it as well. And it did feel like we were doing something a little different. And, and then all of a sudden it felt like there were so many bands that had the word whiskey in them and their name, you know, and it, and mm -hmm. it felt like it, and, and that was a hard thing to kind of justify for me personally, whenever I felt like Americana did start to kind of rise as a genre. And I felt like whiskey gentry was overlooked in it for a really mm -hmm. long time. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it, it started too soon. It also, Whiskey Gentry never had really Spotify, you know, we, we had different ways of like putting music out. Then I think Have Gun Will Travel was the same way. We were right. Like with our first records on the cusp of like before digital music, like became right. the thing it is now. And so it made it feel a little bit more grassroots, a little bit more like we're trading shows. You have to come up here to Atlanta. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, it was just a little more like organic or like naive in some way. I don't know, just different. Do you think there was any, because yeah, I, I think also Isbel Southeastern to me is like the moment uh -huh. where that sort of Americana thing becomes a different thing. Um, yeah. And, and I, I want somebody to uh, more capable than me to write the book about that time. Cause like, uh, or somebody to pay me to, to do it. <laughs> Not as well. Yeah. 
<laughs> not as well as somebody like Marissa or Moss could do it or whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh I'd rather Marissa write the book. But yeah. do you do you think there there may have been something because all those other bands you just mentioned, those are a bunch of dudes. Do you think there was anything to Whiskey yeah. Gentry being female fronted that maybe y'all didn't get the same traction as a as an Avid Brothers for a similar reason or for that reason? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always did sometimes feel that way. And it created a chip on my shoulder that I carried up until really I moved to Nashville um, mm. because I would see other women succeeding in that genre. And I would feel like, well, why not me? Or, you know, and it made me kind of jealous and bitter about being a woman in the genre. Um because I did feel, you know, like I had worked hard and I had done all these things, but then come to find out now through this whole process of releasing this record, like I had no idea what hard work was, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, like, I do think some of that is that, I mean, I had, you know, some of Jason's close friends in Atlanta would be like, man, I don't want to listen to a chick band, Yeah, yeah. you know, and that was shitty, you know, cause it was yeah. like, okay, well, you're totally missing like everything else that's happening here. And letting like my voice define everyone else, but I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe so. May I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but maybe that was it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, because I, you know, I'm not in your shoes, so I, I really I don't yeah. know. But I, I think from my perspective, as someone who has kind of uh, approached music journalistically for the last, you know, eight eight or nine years, and in talking with both women and men. Um, and maybe part of it's fresh because I did just talk to Marissa Armas, for example, about her book, yeah. Her Country. And so and, and then right bef shortly before that, I talked to Michaela Ann and that was right after all these abortion bans. And, you know, like yeah. it's just at the forefront of my mind right now is gender, um, how artists are perceived, how they are, whether or not they're accepted, you know, based on these immutable characteristics. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's yeah. your songs are great and you're, you're, you're an incredible performer. You're, uh, you're so good live. I mean, you are, yeah. Lauren, you are special live. Right. And, um, yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, for folks listening, you know, if you ever get a chance to see Lauren, you got to do it. I mean, it's just truly a presence on stage. And, um, but I just wonder when I think about that time, like I, the truth is a lot of the bands that I was listening to were they were white dudes <laughs> you know they really yeah, were I, and and i don't know whether that was anything conscious that i was doing necessarily or that's what was being served up to me or whatever but i do think of that time as a right. special time um and you know since then as you mentioned like the genre has expanded and exploded and um and there are so many contributions from all kinds of different folks but i don't know i was just wondering about that you know I think too, like lyrically, not to, just to kind of add to that, but like, you know, having a, a female lyricist, it, you know, maybe that was part of it too, in some way that there was less about, you know, uh, whiskey drinking and more about feelings or something. I don't know, you know, if that was any different, but, but um, yeah, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I do think now that you're saying it, that there was probably some that played into that, you know, that was, you know. Yeah. Well, but. I think that point, I think for, especially as a young man, I, I sort of justified not listening to as many women because I think, and, and maybe there's some validity to this is that I think my attitude was I no, like I, I can put myself so easily in Jason Isbell's shoes, you know, totally. like yeah, we're about that. the same age, you know, we're, yeah. we grew up in similar places yeah. and, and there is some validity to, you know, those kinds of things like totally. th that, that reality, but also by only consuming the things that are, that I can easily grasp onto, then I'm really limiting myself. Right. So I feel yeah, like totally. as a comfort thing, I go back to a lot of white dudes with guitars 
because I am one and because it, you know, it, uh, it, it's comfortable to me. Like, Hey, he's going through the yeah. same shit. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but right. at the same time, I'm severely limiting myself if I'm only listening to, you know, guys who grew up in the same environments that I did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I mean, there's a definitely a big difference between listening to like, you know, Ben from Lucero versus Lauren Morrow from Whiskey Gentry, you know, in terms of like lyrical things, you know, yeah. it's definitely going to be, you know, and um, yeah, but I, I, I get that. I have to do that with my own self and kind of take myself out of certain um, holes that I can get kind of uh, stuck in with things that I listen to because it does feel comfortable and I have to push myself outside of, you know, like Lauren, you can't listen to just like new order all the time. Like, listen to something else you know, <laughs> okay um so many great things i want to ask you about then because it, you just mentioned new order and i do want to get in a second into the the sounds i hear on on your record people talk um in just a second and i i'm, I'm gonna i think i'm gonna coin a description of uh of you that i think hopefully you'll like and it sticks and everyone runs with it um, but before okay. we get to that, you mentioned um, hard work and that you, I think your words were that you didn't know hard work until you were were putting together this record. Can you talk about right. that and what, what, what was going on there? Yeah. So, you know, Jason and I um, moved to Nashville in 2017 and I was, when I lived in Atlanta, um, and grew up there, you know, I had a very, like, um, like I said, kind of this like attitude of like, I don't need to move to Nashville. I don't need to do this. I can do this from here. Mm. Um, mm. and you know, felt like because there were sacrifices that I had made, maybe something was owed to me. And, um, but the real sacrifices came, you know, like when Jason and I decided to move here, um, you know, we, Jason had a really successful painting and construction business in Atlanta. And then, um, you know, we had whiskey gentry, which, you know, had done really well for us. Although we were starting to see at the time that the arc was kind of coming downward and that there were just differences that, uh, artistically between us that we wanted to explore. Um, mm. so, you know, we got here and, and like, you know, just, just first of all, like realizing that there is so much talent that is exists here, but also that there, just because your neighbor is talented, doesn't mean that you aren't and mm. that there's a community of people here that help you and will are there for you. And it was really jarring at first. And I felt like, like, you can't really be that nice, like, but they are. And then like, but then on top of that, it, it was like, having to start from scratch, you know, it was like rebranding everything, moving things over from whiskey gentry, having people leave because we left whiskey gentry and people who weren't interested anymore and having to learn how to find my voice in front of a room full of professional musicians and say like, wait, these are my songs, you know, and they're looking at me like, how do you want this to go? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. No one's really let me speak before. And mm. like, you know, and then also like having to learn a side of the music industry and network with people and learn what publishing is and learn, mm. there was just so much growth and learning about music when we moved here. It felt like every, and it still feels that way, that every part of my life here revolves around music, which is amazing. Um, and, and putting out this record, you know, going back, this all kind of ties back into this is that like, we started recording this record in 2019 in November and then the pandemic happened the very next year in, uh. in March. And so like, you know, you feel like you've got this momentum, you've got all these things building and then all of a sudden this hits and it's like, do you have the fortitude to kind of like last through this and like keep pushing forward? Or do you just like say, this is too hard. I don't know. Like this, you know, everything's gone as we know it. Will it ever come back? Mm -hmm. um, having to create an income through that in order to continue to work on our record, which like, you know, Jason started another painting business here in Nashville that's done well, thankfully. And, um, we also sold marijuana during the pandemic to like help yeah. get our record out and like, you know, which is illegal, but you know, <laughs> it's like all the things that we had to do to hustle, we had to go 
play down on Broadway before the pandemic for four hours and maybe make $30 and for people who don't give a shit about you. And just, you know, it was, it was humbling, but not in a way that like destroyed you. It just made you more motivated because everyone else is doing it here too. So it felt, um, it felt uplifting and exciting, even though it was, it's hard, if that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds like a lot, Lauren. That sounds like, I mean, how were you, especially that moment where you're, you're starting, you start to make the record and the world shuts down and you've made this enormous move in 2017. You're not that far away from that move. That's a big thing. You're kind of, sounds like you're rethinking the whole thing, you know, at that time is, do you, would you do mental health wise like how did you maintain during that time funny you should ask um <laughs> no so but for real though um i have i've struggled with anxiety my entire life um it is something that uh, i think i'm genetically predisposed to but also um yeah. growing up uh with a, a mom who was an addict and um you know and, and a parent who whose marriage was erratic and fucked up and like you know it just makes you kind of have your head on a swivel all the time and so there mm. was just a lot um that I had never really dealt with and then when we moved here there's a great place called Porter's Call which is a um it's free for artists if you can um if you can prove that you're a touring artist and that's what, how you make your living and um mm. so we I started going to therapy there um and then I hit a really really low point um in January of 2019. Uh, and I finally just got, I was like, I have to go talk to some, I've got to get on some type of medication. And so mm. I did end up getting on um, an SSRI. Um, and of course, have gone through, you know, different variations of like medication. Um, but mm -hmm. it's been really helpful for me. And I found something now that I really like, and I've gotten off of it before and then realized that that was a mistake. And, mm. um, you know, and still like trying to just do what I can, um, to help myself, um, mentally. And some of that is just like doing a lot of spiritual work. And, mm. um, that, that also happened when we moved here, I had a total paradigm shift in my spirituality and that really threw me for a loop. And I felt like I was losing my mind and that they were, things talking to me and I still feel that way, but I don't feel crazy about it anymore. But like, it's just, it was a lot, you know, there was yeah. just a ton of growth that happened in a quick, in a quick time period, you know? Um, but, but that, I think that's led, it set me up in a way, I think now perfectly for hopefully what's ahead. Cause I don't think that I could have handled anything when I was in my late twenties, yeah, early thirties in regards to any of this stuff and the pressure of it all and all that, you know? Yeah. You're hitting on all of my favorite things. This is great. Um, the this it's my uh, my Mercury's in Cancer, so I can go really deep really quickly. Oh, hell yes, that's what we do here. So yeah, that spirituality thing. Could you say more about that? Sort of that paradigm shift that you mentioned. Yeah. So I um, grew up in a Christian household. You know, my grandfather was a deacon in the Baptist church. I started to have questions about all of that when I was young. Um, and then we stopped going to church. And then when I was in college, I was really into science and I wanted to switch to be a physics major, but then quickly realized that I'm horrible at math. So that wasn't good. Um, so, you know, it was hard for me to balance like my belief in science and also my belief that, and, and my feeling internally that there's something else around us all the time mm -hmm. that's there for us and helping us. And I stopped calling and referring it to God, even though I refer to it a little bit more that way now, because God in that had this connotation in my brain of something from my childhood that didn't feel right to me. So it became a lot about energy and source. And um, I got really into uh, crystals, which like, I know now you can like buy them at Urban Outfitters and shit, which is kind of strange, but whatever. But like, I was like seeking out certain ones for certain properties that they may have to help me. And I would, I always had them in my pockets when I would go out in Nashville to kind of help me, um, get through anxiety or find confidence or whatever. And then I just started reading more into that, reading more into like, you know, 40, you know, 5d, just all kinds of 
stuff you know it can sound like super woo woo and you know like mm-hmm. um a little nuts but it, yeah it's a lot I mean it's probably too much to put into words for you right now but it's like <laughs> a lot of like I don't know like energy and just and, and feeling really I think it's a lot of like intuition based too and really trying mm. to like think about what feels right? What doesn't feel right? Why doesn't that feel right? Where is it not feeling right in my body? Like, is it making me feel, you know, like tight in my chest and my heart or head or, you know, like things like that. Just, just trying to be more aware of what's around me. So many, I guess. there's just so many connections. I mean, so I also grew up in the Baptist church, um, deeply scarred from it, uh, unpacking in therapy yeah. uh, twice a week. Um, right. uh, use this space to help me unpack it right. all the time. <laughs> totally. So like that intuitive thing that you're talking about makes a lot of sense to me. Like, so this may, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, f- I yeah. feel like, uh, lately I've been, mm. the universe has been sending me people like yourself who uh, I, who are helping me to think through the constant battle in my mind over existence. Um, yeah. I ha- I also, I live with generalized anxiety. Uh, it is a constant thing for me today. Yeah. I was like, I was fighting off panic attack this morning. I was fighting off yeah, a panic attack. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah. and I, thankfully I, I'm fortunate. I, I have health insurance. Uh, my health insurance helps pay for my, um, my therapy, uh, I have a great support system, all those things. So I, I know how to, I know when the panic attack is coming and how to stave it off. Right. Um, yeah. But at the root of all of that is the church at the root of all of that is my fear of death this very morning. And this is what I'm saying about this. Like it keeps, yeah. maybe it's just me seeking it out, but I feel like it's seeking me out too. This very morning. Yeah. I, I just pulled it up. I have a draft tweet that I'm going to share with everybody. Cause I'm probably not going to actually tweet it. But it was uh, the actor, Rain Wilson. I saw a tweet from him, right? And somebody had responded to it. And he said, I do think there is an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood. As soon as the character, uh, the, the David character in The Last of Us started reading from the Bible, I knew he was going to be a horrific villain. Are you watching The Last of Us, by the way? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. sure. I love it. And yeah, it's, I watch it twice. I watch each episode twice and listen to the podcast. And okay. so he said, could there, he said, So he ends this tweet by saying, could there be a Bible reading preacher on a show who is actually loving and kind? And I'm having my morning coffee as I'm reading this. And what I wrote and did not send was never met a loving or kind Christian preacher. I'm sure they're out there and I know plenty of loving and kind Christians, but I have yet to meet a preacher that fits such a description. Yeah, I would um, in. I would encourage you if next time you're in Nashville, um, Jason and I have found a place here uh, called Grace Point that um, is is a, a I don't I don't want to call it deconstructionist because I don't know if that's what they would like to be talked as, but I mean he's the most kind and loving and and liberal leaning and like you know where like if you were to play this for my grandma she'd be like he should be up in flames kind of shit you know like yeah trans affirming gay affirming you know like all these things that are like that he's speaking about and using lessons from the bible to talk about and that's what i think the point is it's like you you're using this thing to kind of like talk and and teach lessons but not in this way that's like making you like the guy from walking dead you know like not everything has to be so fear-based and so like i think like what you're saying where it's like the, the panic attacks and all this kind of stuff, it directly comes from fear yes. based issues with me because I'm so scared of everything. And I think that that's like, or at least was, I mean, I still am to some degree, but like, that's what they want you to live in because then you can be controlled. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent about control. Yeah. And, and it worked, you know, like I felt very controlled yeah. by it for a long time. And my attitudes about so many things were shaped in such a, awful way uh by the doctrine that i was being fed constantly and when you tie it to someone's eternal fucking salvation 
then it becomes like, it's just so that's really, I remember the moment in my, in therapy where we had the breakthrough and my therapist was like, wait, what were you taught? And I was explaining it it to her. She's like, you you realize that's why you have anxiety, right? Like that's, that's a direct, direct line. You know, and also too, the other, the other part of all of that is this, the judgment upon other people all the time that what they're doing is wrong. And like, you know, my grandfather was a lovely man. I mean, he was one of the most influential people on my life and I lost him so early in my life and it sucked, but like, you know, and I realized that a lot of the rhetoric that he was teaching us was just rhetoric that he got from his small town in Alabama that he, you know, wasn't maybe able to be exposed to something different. And, you know, like, I remember telling him one time I was so proud. I was like, I was like, grandpa, I went to church and he was like, great where'd you go and I was like cathedral of Christ the king and he was like a catholic church and I was like yeah and he was like oh you know like and I was like what and then come to find out that like Baptists think that the Catholics are going to hell because they pray to you know saints Saints. and Mary and all this other kind of stuff and I'm like that's what I was taught yeah stupid yeah yeah that's 100% what I was taught that anybody who wasn't Protestant was going to hell I mean, even other oh fucking God. Christians, it's like, no wonder. I have Christians. Yeah. <laughs> I what what I are we know, doing here? So... All right. Um, well, our ner- speaking of our neurosis, because it took us like 10 minutes to try to figure out microphones, we're about to run out of time. So let me end, the, end this. And then it's done. if you'll just click the same link, it'll just open back up if that's cool. Yeah, totally. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Hold on. Got it. Sweet. We're back. All right. We're back. Everybody go join the Patreon so I can start paying for Zoom and don't have to do this. Um, <laughs> all right. I would like to dive into your record. <laughs> yeah. Half hour so. in. Let's, let's talk about some music. <laughs> um, so I've been listening to it on repeat. It's wonderful. Uh, I think there are a few things that stand out to me about it. One is how um, stylistically there are, there are all these different pieces and they all fit. It all makes sense. Um, I hear like some country politan kind of influence or sound. I hear like some um, there's like almost '90s country feeling stuff. There's and here's the the, the um, term that I hope sticks. Um, I feel like you are the Southern Hope Sandoval. Like that that song "Birthday" oh, just okay. feels like I, yeah. I mean that is I mean that is like the most immense uh, you know uh, compliment you could probably give anybody but birthday sounds like it would fit on one of her records you know like um and it's maybe my favorite song on the album even though i I think it's fantastic top to bottom right like it's there's not a you you didn't miss (laughs) it's 10 tracks of flames um so can you tie you up can i quote you on that yeah 10 tracks of flames 10 tracks of flames sure yeah put on your website or whatever yeah um absolutely (laughs) um yeah it's just great so a a couple of things like as an entry point to kind of having this conversation about the record um i mentioned birthday i I, and there's something that grabs me about that particular song can you tell me about that song how it came together yeah um so birthday is the last track on the record and uh we recorded that just me and electric guitar in a room together and that's how it started um here in this room that I'm in right now and um so I met Jason when I was 22 and we very quickly connected with each other like that night we're making out kind of situation and then dated I mean spent every day with each other for like the next month and then on his birthday the following month um he had told me like hey you know I think I'm struggling with some substance stuff and I had just you know been still in the throes of dealing with my mom and all of her shit Mm. and I was like nope I'm out of here I was like okay Mm. and I had this kind of kind of idea that that was happening but then I just was like no I'm not doing it so I grabbed on my I Jason jokes like I was like I'm taking my lost DVDs and my quilts and like I'm hitting the road <laughs> and I did and that was on his birthday which was like really poor form but then 
the next nine months, you know, we kind of ran in similar circles in Atlanta and, um, you know, we would see each other out, we would text each other and like, I would be with somebody else and he was with somebody else, but we were just constantly like, kind of like fucking with each other's emotions. And then finally got back together that following October and have been together ever since. But, um, wow. I just was starting to, I just think that I was thinking about like how sometimes when you fall in love with someone, like it's not necessarily your choice. And there are these like, you know, again, going back to the fear thing, you know, like it's fucking scary. Like all of a sudden to be like, oh my God, like I really like this human and I don't really know what my life, I don't know what I, if I want to know what my life would look like without them in it. And that can be really scary, especially when, when people that you've loved in your life have, have hurt you, you know, parental figures and other things like that. And I had never been in like a, a relationship really. I mean, I was 22. It was the first time that I met someone that I fell in love with and that was Jason and we're still here. So, (sighs) but I just knew it and I think he knew it too. And it's not to say that this has, our marriage has not been you know, easy. Um, cause it definitely marriage is not easy, but like, yeah, yeah we just kind of found each other. Um, so that was about when I broke up with him on his birthday. <laughs> uh, no wonder I like it so much. Um, <laughs> um yeah. the, I think you just brought, you touched on something that like, it took me until the last couple of years to kind of get my head around, which is that so much of even really consequential and beautiful things in life are not choices that they happen to you. And I I, like, once I got in my head, this, um, and this, this is something I've been dealing with as I think about my parents aging and my, my father's health has been both of them, both of them going through a lot of health issues. It's been really hard on me. Um, and I have a very complicated relationship with both of them. But one of the things that I finally came to a place of understanding about that has helped me is like, I, I didn't choose to be born. <laughs> like, like I, 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 I didn't choose to be here. And that once you get your head around some of like that, then it helped me to understand so many moments in my life that I really had no agency over or very little agency yeah. in those moments. And they just happened. And many of them are the best moments in my life. And many of them are incredibly rich and I'm grateful for them. But, you know, same thing. When I fell in love with my partner, I wasn't looking, I was, I was having fun. You know, that the last thing right. I was looking for was somebody. Like, to spend the rest of, yeah. I wasn't right. trying to spend the rest of my life with one woman. <laughs> Nine years I know, I was 22. Yeah. Well, I was 30. I, was like, I looked at the best I ever looked in my life and I was like, just out, just slaying it. And then I was yeah. like, oh, cool. You know, like 22, great. And then we got married when I was 25. But, and maybe it's like what you're saying is that it's not that you didn't choose it. But like, sometimes I feel like maybe what I have to like, think about is like, why, if I, if I do believe in like a higher source or something that is, is faded out for me, like why this was, why this is my path. Like, what is this lesson that I'm learning in this lifetime or this lifeline that I need to take with me to the next or whatever it is. And whether it's dealing with your parents and having a complicated relationship or complicated marriage or, you know, or I don't know, you know, I don't know that those are choices that we are ever allowed to make. They are kind of already Mm -hmm. made for us maybe. And we have to deal with them. And that's part of our lesson. That makes a lot of sense. I think so much of it is just how we react to them. They they happen to us. And then we do have some agency over how we react to them. It's something I work with kids and it's uh, one of the things that I really try to stress upon them is like so much, even more of their lives just happens to them. And they, and the adults in their lives make stupid decisions often. And, you know, on a macro level and on a micro level, and that for them, the only thing they have control over is how they react to those things most of the time. Yeah. Um, But I think those lessons are true for us as grown people too. I had a friend who would always say, rather than saying, why is this happening to me? Say, why is this happening for me? Mm. And try and shift the way that you think about, you know, the things that happen. And, you know, I try to do that sometimes whenever things feel difficult or weird, you know, Mm -hmm. anyway. So, 
Okay, so let's zoom out a little bit and and talk just about your your creative process more generally. Um, you look like you're sitting in a room where stuff gets made quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and this may be a box I mean, of CDs or records in the back there. <laughs> oh, there's this, this is massive. This is all my vinyl, all the CDs. Sweet. This is all Sweet. the shipping stuff that I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's, um, the, there's a lot but there are guitars there's other stuff you can't see but yeah so birthday you just told us this story that's a story from quite some time ago um can like what does the writing process look like for you are you are you are those ideas percolating for many years are you a sit down and do the work every day kind of person what's your process like definitely not a sit down do the work every day type of person as much as i wish that i was mm -hmm. um that was another thing you know kind of like learning curve and coming to Nashville was trying to make time to be creative and, and Parker Kaysen who produced the record um he was very much like you know let's put dates on the books you come we try and write songs and that was super foreign to me and very terrifying because I don't mm. really generally like to work like that mm -hmm. I'm more of a private writer and I would you know just kind of mess around with things and and then take it to someone else when I felt like it was a more formed idea rather than being ex incredibly exposed and vulnerable in front of people when you're throwing out brainstorming ideas and lyrics that might sound stupid or stu you know, whatever, like, yeah, that was just something I was interested in, but I'm so glad that like we did it together and that I found this safe space with Parker and, and Jason, you know, my husband as well, like, you know, we would get together and write things and, you know, and, um, it took me out of that headspace. Um, I was definitely like, um, creative process sometimes is like something will just, I had a, I woke up out of a dream last week and came in here and wrote a song and mm. like, it was so weird. And that had never happened before. Like in the middle of the um, night or were you taking a nap? Like what? it was at seven o'clock in the morning and it was just like there. And then I was like, oh. and I like ran in here, figured it all out, wrote all the lyrics out. And sometimes it's like that. Like sometimes it can just be so easy but then other times it is not. And like birthday was a song that was just easy. It just, it was obviously locked somewhere in my brain and it just came out. And that was the way that it was is the way that it is on the record. Um, mm. But other songs take more pulling out of you and more, um, you know, um, thought. I don't, I don't know how to say it. it yeah. it's, it's harder sometimes to pull other ones out. Um, so I think, you know, I've already started thinking about writing the next record and like what I want to do. And I definitely want to like spend more time and yeah. be intentional with my creative process rather than it be something that just, like we said, happens to me, but yeah. be something that just like I can be more active in, you know, and, and again, I think that opens up an energy to you that allows for whatever, you know, inspiration that you can get to enter. Um hopefully at least were the, any of the any of the songs on people talk the difficult ones like you just mentioned the ones that maybe took a little bit more elbow grease or effort or whatever um i think that um trying to remember like i think the only nice when i'm high the the music kind of was there and I had a, the first, like, I had the idea for the song. I knew what I wanted it to be like, but getting the lyrics right. I remember I, I really spent a lot of time trying to make those be something that I was like proud of. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want it to just be a song about like smoking weed. It was like, you know, it was definitely wanted it to feel more like a song of like mm -hmm. trying to get help for your anxiety. And mm -hmm. so I, I definitely spent more time on that one. Um, I like that and about I that think, song. I, I like that it that there's like it's it 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 does present on its face at least as like just a song about weed. But yeah, uh, after one listen, you realize like, oh no, there's a lot, there's a lot more here. She's unpacking a lot more. Yeah, here. yeah. I had a lady yell at me once. Um, we were out in Colorado playing on tour last year, and she was like, mm. "Marijuana is a gateway drug," <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, if you would actually listen to the song, you would know that it's much less about marijuana and much more about anxiety. And yeah. you know, anyway, so 
Whatever. Did you say that to her? Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like she was right in the front and turns out she was just hammered and she was annoying yeah. everyone around her. So right. sometimes you just gotta let people fall on their own sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was another one that I'd wanted to ask you about. So I'm glad you brought it up because it, it is another standout track for me. Um, and again, the whole thing's great. But uh Leona is another one I really love that I connected with for whatever oh, reason. Yeah. Uh can you tell me about that one? So Leona is a song that Parker wrote. Okay. Um, the Parker case produced the record. Yeah. And we were at his house on one of these, like, you know, writing dates or whatever. And he played it for Jason and I, and I was like, so can I sing that song? Like it just grabbed me from the, you know, immediately. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. I love the chords in it. And I was so grateful to him that he let me record it on this record. And it's kind of, you know, um, I guess I wouldn't say given it to me, but I'm borrowing it for a long time, but I love singing that song. It was super hard for me to record it because vocally it was all over the place. But it was one of those where it just like really, I had to get out of my head. I had to get out of my fear, all the stuff and just like go for it. And that's the same thing that happens live when we perform it. Like I don't play anything on it. I grab the microphone and it becomes this like, it's just such a, such a powerful song. And, and the whole band feels it when we play it. It's just like, it's, it's just such a good song. And I'm, I can say that about it because I didn't write it. Well, I think, I think it is your vocal that, that really lands with me, um, on that particular song. And, you know, you, through the whole record, you cover a lot of vocal territory. Like it seems like it, it feels effortless, you know, when I'm listening to it, but it's interesting to hear you say that, that you sort of, because when I think of your singing and having seen you play live a couple of times, um, I think you have such an incredible voice and such a unique voice. It sounds like there's a little bit of maybe a, um, I don't know what the word is for it. Maybe it's a little bit of anxiety, as we've mentioned, uh, about maybe taking some of those Thanks. chances. <laughs> but you, yeah. you cover so much ground vocally on this record. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, like, I think is, like one yeah. that was like nobody but me, like that one was another one that was really hard to do vocally because it's it's low in my register when it starts. And then I go to full on screaming at the end of it. So that one was kind of crazy, but yeah, there's, you know, there was a lot of just having to get out of my own head about what I've done in the past and just be mm. like, who cares? You don't have to sing like a country singer anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's moments where you do, but then there's mm -hmm. like also moments that uh, there's a, a, I forget exactly which song it is, but there's a song that almost feels like it could be an eighties pop song um you know there, there's like yeah yeah i guess people yeah i guess the title track yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right feels like it could be you know and and a, a something madonna's singing or something you know and it, and it's and it's great and it fits but um that's so fascinating about this record is how you you did cover stylistically like it it feels uh it's so interesting to hear you talk about because it, it feels fearless you know it feels like you just like went for it you know so um i well, I think that we kind of did in some way, but just know that it wasn't easy. Yeah, no, <laughs> it sounds like it wasn't. Way, I'm so glad that it does. Yeah, I think that's it was, great. You know, it's great. You had like yeah. you clearly put a ton of work into this he hearing you talk about it, and uh, and yet the finished product, I mean, it just sounds so good. Everything sounds so good. The band sounds on point. I don't know who all is playing on it, but like band sounds on point. The all the production choices are are great. It's mixed perfectly. Like, it, and then you know the songs are are outstanding, and and you sing the hell out of them. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned sort of like the past, and we've talked a little bit about whiskey gentry. We talked a little bit about sort of your career, um, and the evolution of that career. Uh, as you look back on your career if someone was making a documentary about it up to this point, what are like two or three scenes that would have to be a part of that documentary? Ooh. This is my oh. new, it's, it's my new oh. question. I get all my guests off guard with. I love it. Oh man. I mean, definitely. God, that, why does it make me feel so emotional all of a sudden? <laughs> I mean, definitely like the years with, 
whiskey gentry if you were going to do a montage you know <laughs> would definitely have to be something you know because I wouldn't be the person that I am without the years that I spent with them and mm -hmm. just the love that we all have for each other and the vulnerability we were able to be with each other and you know they're my family forever you know we'll be friends till we die and like um you know and it was it was sad you know I think maybe like if you want a specific moment I think probably the last show that we ever did together mm. was at Variety Playhouse in Atlanta and you know we were all like so emotional but like happy you know that it happened and I don't know just it, it felt just it felt good you know it was our Christmas show and it was sad but it wasn't at the same time and we have this great picture of all this bowing together at the end and like you know just felt like the perfect end to that story but um and then definitely the other one would be moving here you know Jason and I played a show up here in 2017 um for oh boy records and mm. it was a benefit show and like Corey Brandon was there Jason Isbell Amanda um a ton of people um and we were so welcomed by all of them and like that night Jason and I were laying in my friend's guest bed and we were like should we move to Nashville like should mm. we just do it and then two months later less than two months later we had moved wow. we packed everything and moved up here and picture Jason and I both in separate cars on 75 north just north of Atlanta calling each other and crying so we were like what are we doing like yeah. this is insane and like you know but it was like we were it was just it just happened and it was like we're doing it and there was just no like looking back um and I'm so thankful you know that I have a partner who supported that and you know who who stood aside to you know let his ego go and you know because he was such a front part of whiskey gentry and it was his idea for me to go solo so I think all of those wow. things you know if you were if you were making a documentary that would be like Jason going like you should be a solo artist and me going no way and then <laughs> prove it to me that I could you know so. do you now that you have the benefit of a little bit of hindsight um and I'm asking this half selfishly because we're very seriously considering moving somewhere mostly because of the just the wild laws in florida and just the well, well don't come to tennessee I right know, now i know that's that's what <laughs> we talked about God. that's what we talked about is where the fuck <sighs> do you go now um and we don't like the, the cold you got you got to move where it's cold and we don't like the cold um <laughs> like i love vermont but in the summer <laughs> you know like minnesota's oh, great right? i got friends I there but i don't think i'd survive away right. i think uh, no, it, I don't it, think I would, if the physical cold didn't get me the depression the seasonal depression would um, Right. you know 100 um yeah but now that you have like the benefit of hindsight it, you mentioned how emotional that move was you grew up you know in atlanta you had this whole this whole band in atlanta you had this this whole thing you met your partner in life there is it when you look back was it the right was nashville the right move one thousand percent okay one thousand yeah. like i there was a lot, you know, things that get me really choked up, right? It's like, when I had to sit down with my best friend, we've been friends for 30 years, she was mm. seven months pregnant. And I was like, I'm moving to Nashville. And she was like, when? And I was like, in a month. And her crying and me crying and like, you know, and the things that you like miss, right? You know, it's like, I don't live right down the street from her anymore. She just had another baby. I haven't met him yet. You know, like, there's a lot of things my, you know, my, my mom and my brother and his kids and, and my family, you know, being in, in Atlanta, those things are hard, you know, but, yeah. um, for us in our, I have met some of the most incredible people here. I've met some of the most incredible women here, which I thought yeah. moving here at, in my early thirties, I was like, well, I won't make friends. I was like, it's impossible to make girlfriends, you know, anyway, but then like, not impossible, but like, yeah. I have like five best friends. Right. And so it's like, you know, and we all live all over the country, but it's like, 
I just am so grateful for these women here that we all are just like, so like-minded and they're just like my best girlfriends. Like I talk to them every day and, you know, we just, like I said, I mean, the community, the way that this town has welcomed us and supported us, I never felt that way in Atlanta, even Mm. though I was from there, I never felt supported by the community in some way you know like it felt a little bit it felt so more cutthroat in some weird way like if somebody else was getting success then that meant that you weren't and that's just not the way that it feels here at all wow i'm i'm so glad to hear you say that and um that that whole thing about friends i mean you know so you said it's hard to make girlfriends it's it's hard for men to make friends later too you know like i i I have really been leaning into reaching out to my friends, making connections with them. Cause like so many folks, as you get older, one, we just don't make the effort anymore. You have your partner in life and you, you know, that's my best friend. And I'm, you know, I, I talk to her all the time, of course. And, but I need to be able to go talk to somebody else about like, can you believe what she did, <laughs> you know, or whatever, like what whatever, you, you know, I need oh, those, I need those things. Need that too. Yeah. yeah. And, you uh, do, and that's like Jason was here. Yeah, well, like Jay, you know, Jason was in his early forties moving here. He's ten years older than me, and so mm-hmm. for him, you know, and all of his friends were all friends that he had had since he was in you know middle school, yeah. and they're thick as thieves in Atlanta, you know. And so for him to move here, I think it definitely hit him harder. But even now, you know, I'm like Jason. The the men, the guy friends that you have here would like take a bullet for you. Not that your ones wouldn't in Atlanta, but like. You know, you guys all need men need that support network as well. And I think that he gets that from his friends here too. And again, having that kind of like common denominator of like, we're all playing this music game together that now he can even has other people that he can talk to about that or get excited with about that. And, you know, it's, it's different, but yeah. I'm so glad y'all found that community. Um, And that is in, in the times that I, that I do visit Nashville, that's the vibe I get. I'm not living in it. So it's hard for me to say whether that would be accurate for me if I ever ended up there. But yeah, again, unfortunately the politics are so fucked up because like, otherwise that would be our town. Like that would be our kind of town, you know? Um, anyway, but so fortunate because I feel like Nashville is a town is your kind of, it's my kind of town. It's, it's all of our friends kind of town. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere or, you know, like it's all the other things that are, that are muddying that and making it scary. Well, and, and frankly, Orlando is my kind of town too. I mean, Orlando is a great place to live. It's a very progressive place. It's, um, it's this sort of like little, you know, liberal oasis in the middle of the craziness that is Florida. Um, and the cities in general are here as well, but you know, we just have a comic book villain as a governor. Um, right. (laughs) Who might be our president. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. We don't have to go there. I'm moving to Norway. I know. I wouldn't worry about that. Wait, I'm just telling you, and this is not just my bias. He is so unlikable. He is so bad in front of a microphone. He is so bad on a stage. I mean, he's, he is miserable in front of a camera and nationally he's going to get exposed. You know, he, you got to have that, that charisma of something, even if it's weird charisma, like Trump has, like you have to have something people go like that guy's funny or whatever. The stands will tell a joke and he'll just sit there and like, you didn't realize he delivered the punchline. Like he's so awkward. I'm, there's no way he'll be president. He's just going to torture us. Don't worry about uh, it. He's just going to torture me for the rest of my life. <laughs> he's going to be totally. okay, my senator. Well yeah. He's going to end up being my senator. Uh, he's going to end up like just taking on Rubio or something. Who's also very unlikable or Scott. Who's also very unlikable. Anyway. Um, what are you, what are you getting down on? What is the art? We always ask what the art that you're inspired by at the moment is like, could be music you're listening to. It could be, you know, a show we mentioned the last of us, the greatest TV show ever earlier, or like something that's got you fired up right now. Oh man. Um, so I have started a challenge this year to read more books. Um, I was an English major and I read so much through college and, and then got busy, like kind of writing music and stuff. Um, So it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like one thing, but I have been very, I think reading for me does something where 
and, and maybe it's with everybody, but like it definitely, it starts me thinking and like it gets, it activates some part in my brain that I start thinking about ideas for songs or maybe it's something that I read in a book or, you know, something. It just, it starts everything kind of like moving. Um, so that's been really good and I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Like I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed reading, um, cause I was doing a lot of video game playing and I still love to watch TV and I watch a shit ton of TV too, but like, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's really, it's not just one thing, but I would say like uh, reading for me lately fiction, it's, it's mainly been mm. fiction. Although I did read finally, Patty Smith's book, Just Kids, and it absolutely floored me. I got it up Ugh, there on the shelf behind me. What a beautiful, beautiful book. I mean, yeah. like, I get chills just talking about it. Like, yeah. you know, th it's the stunning. way that she writes, oh, it's stunning. And I'd had it, it on my shelf for years. Yeah. And never picked it up. And then finally, because I don't, I'm not saying that I'm a huge Patty Smith fan. I know, you know, basically the main songs that Same. she's written. Same. But I picked it up. And blasted through it in like two days. I yep. was just stunned. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because uh, similar earlier last year, into last year, uh, I saw it. Yeah. My my ritual is I go to Park Ave CDs, this wonderful record store and bookstore in, in Orlando. And um, they have a yeah. small but very cool book selection, right? So I, yeah. I read I read a, read something. And it's also not that Patty's from Florida, but there's like a pretty Florida heavy, you know, Florida centric, like they promote authors like Kristen Arnett and Jeff Vandermeer and all these folks that are, that are Florida authors. So I always grab whatever strikes me. And that one I, is one that has just like in the back of my mind, I got to read just kids at some point. I got to read just kids at some point. And I never, never picked it up for whatever reason. And finally I did. Uh, and it just gives you so much. But I think just in general, I mean, we talk about books on this show quite a bit, and I try to have authors on as often as possible. But just I like that you were more general with your answer because I, there is very little that nurtures me more than books. There's very little that nurtures all the things I need nurturing than books, fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. They give and they yeah. give and they give. And I like to have them on my shelf and I like to be around them. I've got three of yeah. them on my nightstand now, you know, like yeah. I got that stack. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know, you know, and I was so like anti, cause I, I had to, I had to sadly get rid of a lot of my books when we moved here. Cause I just like, it was either like, Lauren, are you taking all of your vinyl or are you taking all of these books that you're never going to read again? And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I've got them all through here and every, you know, ones that I've kept that are special. And I just recently though, have started um, downloading books and I feel like a trader, but it is easier <laughs> to be yeah. on the road, you know, like if I'm like traveling yeah. or like on an airplane, like it is easier rather than keeping like three books, you know, like. I can't do that when I'm on tour. So I do feel yeah. like a traitor, but you know what? It still is giving me all I need inside and in my head. You right. Know? I'm still I, haven't, I haven't done it yet. I, and, and I keep thinking it, it would be good for me too, but I, I haven't done it yet. I don't, there's something about, re, I don't just hold in the book. I and get like, it. I know. Oh, I totally get it. Um, I totally get it. I am the same way. I love holding a book, but yeah, I just was like, you know, I'm gonna load up this iPad. We're gonna leave for tour in like two weeks. Like, just got all my Goodreads. Are you on Goodreads? No. That I'll, app where you can I'll, I'll do it though. It's good. Yeah. You should get on it and then I'll follow you too. But like, okay. it's good because you can explore what other people are reading and what they like. And anyway, we could have this full on nerd combo for I know. a while. I, I know. Well, I, I don't want to take much more of your time. This has been such a pleasure. Um, I, I do wonder, since we're having so much fun, if for yeah. the next seven minutes or so, we've been doing this thing, if it flows like this, where uh, I just ask the guest childlike questions, like favorite food and pizza, or like favorite okay. Favorite yeah, food and pizza. you already said food pizza. pizza. That's yours. Okay, cool. So we're all we're already there. I like somehow I answered the question yeah. of what I wanted. <laughs> it's very childish, yeah, exactly. But we just put it on Patreon. So if you're cool with that, and we, for the next seven minutes, I'd love yeah. to ask you just silly questions. What about favorite color? Do it.
y'all. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank all of you for listening. LaurenMorrow.com for all things Lauren Morrow. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you really like what we're doing and can swing it, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just two bucks a month, as little as two bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. We also have a brand new monthly show called What We're Getting Down On. It's a conversation between me and my good friend Peter Haraldson about the art that has us fired up at the moment. And we are having a blast with it. Also check out our show Inner Child where I ask our guests childlike questions such as favorite food, TV show, dream car, silly stuff like that. Um, There's one with Lauren actually up uh, right now on Patreon. Again, just as little as $2 a month, you can join the Patreon community. If you want to support the show financially but do not want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us. It's just at the marinade, and all the money goes right back into the making of the show. Right now, that means uh, saving up to cover some festivals. We have been invited to some very cool events. I need to figure out how to pay for those experiences. But above all, y'all, we're just super thankful that you listen and spread the word about the marinade. I'm incredibly grateful. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.